And uh, we're going to look at uh, this section that we've been studying here about the issue of being filled with the Spirit, verse 18. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word this morning and as we see the, the importance of our lives being under the control of your word and of the Spirit, we'll just do so as we look here at ourselves first and give heed to the word and what it says to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Really, this sentence begins in verse 15. So let's start up in verse 15 and then look down through here. And uh, we're going to be talking about a spirit-filled life. And we're talking about what that looks like. And we're going to start with you. And the reason we start with you is because you start everything. So if you're going to have a spirit-filled life in your relationships, marriage, we'll get down to wives and husbands, with your family, children, with your bosses, servants and with your employees masters that starts with you and that's where paul starts that's where god starts so that's where we're going to start verse 17 or verse 15 see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil you should have written there by that verse 16 galatians 1 verse 4 that where he says that he's delivered us from this present evil world the world about us is evil, folks. We understand that. I'm not talking about cruel. I'm talking about evil. Ephesians chapter 2, he comes in and he talks about the course of this world and the prince of the power of the air controlling it, and it's evil. And what are we to do in it? We're to, have a, we're to walk as wise, circumspectly, careful. I, I read one time years ago, uh, 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 one of the old-time writers, and he said, walking circumspectly is like walking barefoot through a field full of rattlesnakes. And what do you do? You carefully put your foot where it belongs and walking circumspectly. Well, how do we do this? Verse 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We're to live. We're to walk in circumspectly. We're to walk in wisdom. Comprehending God's Word. So what is God's will? What does that mean then? God's will has to be what? Made known, revealed, and it is in His Word. That's why we're to understand His Word. That's why when you look at Colossians chapter 3, we'll get over there in just a minute, and he's going to talk about, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all things. We're to, take the, we're to allow the Word we're, we're to take God's word. We're to understand it rightly divided. We're to understand when he talks to you and I. We take that information and then we begin to apply it to the details of our lives. We have the capacity. You have the capacity yourself to understand. It's fascinating when, he, when Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, he says, I don't want to have dominion over your faith. I want to be a helper of your joy. Why? For by faith... Ye stand. You know, my job is to make you independent of me. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want you to want to be around me and to be here. But my job is to make you and to have you. My goal, my wish, my desire is so that you can stand on your own two feet, independent of me. By the way, if you can do that, you know what you're going to want? To be around me, us, here, the fellowship. You're going to want that. You're not going to say, well, I just can figure it out on my own. No, you're going to want to be around that. And when you begin to comprehend, you have the capacity. 
to go into God's Word and to get the information out of it yourself. And that's what he's talking about here, in your walk and in your life. And we're to carry out our walk by being filled with the Spirit. And we talked about that issue of him filling, gripping, controlling. It isn't filling up the cup half full. It's a grip. It's a control. It's Colossians. Look over there at Colossians 3. Hold on to Ephesians. We're not going to drift too far, even though I know the overhead looks differently. Colossians 3, verse 16, the sister passage to where we're at in Ephesians 5. And he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And put something in that and come back to Ephesians 5, because we're going to go back over there in just a minute. You see, folks, when we take the Word of God, rightly divided, and we put it into our inner man, and we allow the Word to begin to work in us, we, we come in and we have that, that power of the Holy Spirit working in us as he works through his word. Then in verse 19, Paul begins to talk about how this is going to look. What is this, what's the design of this to look like? How is this supposed to work out now in the details of life? And again, he's going to start here with you, the individual, verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Those three issues there, speaking to yourself, self-talk. Then in verse 20, giving thanks to God, a heart of thanksgiving. And then in verse 21, submission, submitting one to another, the servant's heart. These three things are going to be the result of what it is to be filled with the Spirit. Your scriptures are fantastic. You want to know, have you ever go, gotten into, you're doing something, you go, man, is this really what I should be doing? Is this really what the Lord wants me to do? Ever, I don't know, have you ever got that way? I have. Is this really? I got in this morning. I'm like, oh man, we got to make some changes. And I'm going, Lord, really, I'm just going to let it be. <laughs> you know why? Because you get you get going in it. But you know what the scripture says? Hey, if you want to know what you're doing, and life is right, here's a standard. Here's a measuring stick. His grace is love. But here's a measuring stick. You get over there in Galatians five, and you find out what the works of the flesh are, don't you? The works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are manifest as these, and he gives you a whole list of, <laughs> but you know what, though? If I'm in one of those, then what do I know I'm, where I'm, I'm at? I'm in the flesh. Here's what the, work of the, here's what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. Now if I'm in this, guess what I'm, I know I'm at? I know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. He does that all the time. He does that all through Scripture. So here, again, the command is be filled with the Spirit, Okay, what does that look like? In your life, he's talking about you, me, we, us, the individual, being under the control of the Word of God, rightly divided. That is to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to look at you first this morning and, and next week, because I won't get through all these verses, these three, this morning. We're going to sure try. We're going to talk... The, 
look at you first. When the Spirit begins to take control of your life by your faith in His Word, He begins to equip your inner man. That's why in verse 19, read it now with me, speaking to yourselves in Psalms, speaking to who? Yourselves. Self-talk. You, hear, you know what that is. By the way, that voice you hear in your head is not God. You know who that voice is? It's you. That's who that voice is. Sorry to bust your bubble, right? You know, sometimes people go, oh, God spoke to me. Yeah, where, what did he say? He said, eat more pizza. And that was you. That wasn't God, okay? That was you. You said, you know, but look at what he says. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody where? In your heart. A melody inside of you, inner harmony. When the Word of God takes control of your life, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have an inner harmony. You're going to have a, a, a heart of peace, a melody, a song in your step. Verse 20, Then, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then you're going to have that, that inner peace, that inner, inner melody, that inner harmony is going to produce a heart of thanksgiving to the Father produces gratitude, grace motivation. So you speak to yourselves, and that's going to begin to bring an inner harmony because that's what the Word of God produces in you, peace. Then you're going to begin to talk to God, and you're going to give thanks to the Father for all. Notice that verse, giving thanks always for all things. And that's going to result, verse 21, in submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So this starts with the relationship to yourself, with yourself, that produces a life under the control of God's word, rightly divided. Then the natural outflow of that is the issue of giving thanks to the Father, which then will cause us to walk over and have a servant's heart to one another. But it starts with you. By the way, these three, look over at verse 9, Ephesians 5, verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. These three that we're talking about, verse 19, 20, and 21, all match up to the fruit of the Spirit. Real quickly, come over to Galatians 5. Look at the fruit of the Spirit here. Galatians 5, verse 22. We talked about it just here briefly just a few minutes ago, Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, notice it's fruit, singular. Yet he's going to list nine things. It isn't fruits, it's fruit of the Spirit. It is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Nine things here. Each of these are an expression of the Spirit of God taking control of your life and producing life, the, producing the life of Christ Jesus in you. Notice the first three, love, joy, peace. Where is that? That's inside you. That's the inner harmony, 519. Then the next, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. There is, there's... Not, there's your attitude towards other people, others. 
There's verse 21 of Ephesians 5, submitting yourselves one to another. You're going to have an outward towards someone else. And in the end three, faith, meekness, and temperance, that's towards God. That's the heart of thanksgiving in 520. So you've got these, these, come back to Ephesians 5 now. These things begin to come together, and they begin to flow together. And what you begin to see is, as you say, hey, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to have the Spirit of God working in my life and controlling my life, and I'm going to do that by the intake of the Word of God rightly divided, and I'm going to come over here and I'm going to take the details, the doctrine, and I'm going to put them in shoe leather, if you will. And you know what happens? What, by the way, what was the first ones there in that list? Love, joy, peace. Boy, isn't it nice to have joy? In this day and age, with all the craziness going on, just to have joy, to have, you know, a little song, in, a little pick-me-up. When I see Jesus, oh, man, boy, and I look and behold his face. Oh, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. And you begin to do what? You begin to... Talk to yourself. You begin to have, verse 19, self-talk. Speaking to yourselves. How do you talk to yourself? Think about that. Now, we're not doing Tony Robbins and all that other nonsense. But how do you talk to yourself? By the way, you notice yourselves is plural. This event is taking place in your life, the individual, but also in the life of the local assembly, because that's where the book of Ephesians is written to. The local, of us, the local assembly. So if we come together, and I'm talking to myself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making a melody, heart of thanksgiving, a submissive heart, and you're doing the same thing, then what do we begin to do to one another? We begin to speak the same things, don't we? When we talk together, we need to talk to each other the way you talk to yourself. So when I get up in the morning, I go, you dirty rascal, you know, idiot. What would you do that for? Or if I say, boy, you handsome, good-looking devil, right? I'm lying is right. (laughs) You know, that old line about he's got face made for radio. There you Right? See, that's not what he's talking about, is he? I know they're listening. That's a good thing. I got to keep them honest every now and then, you know. But see, so speaking to yourselves. He doesn't just say speak to yourself. He says what? Speaking to yourselves in what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When he talks here about speaking to yourselves, he's not talking about, he's talking about real transparency. He's not talking about putting a mask on and hiding. This is what is to be, this is what's so wonderful about a local assembly. You know, when we all come together, we all know that we have what? problems. We all know we have issues. We all know we stump our toes and go, and yet what do we know also? Who we are in Christ. And we begin to understand that when we do rub up against each other, we can 432 each other. You know what 432 is? Be kind, tenderhearted, loving, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath, what? Forgiven you. So even when we kind of come together and we speak to ourselves and, oh, you handsome, beautiful devil, that, hey, that's a forgiven issue. And we can begin to sing something. We can have real transparency. Because we never would say that we're perfect, but we do have a perfect Savior. See? 
that's what makes the local assembly so wonderful. Because if you call somebody, some, you know, you over here out in the world, they're going to knock you down and cancel you. <laughs> right? That's the big thing right now. But man, when you come in here, you just have an opportunity to take the doctrine and work it and live it and enjoy it. So we're to speak to ourselves. Now, look, I hold, told you to hold Colossians 3. Go look at Colossians 3. Because he's going to tell us some more, a little different detail in verse 16. We're going to talk about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're going to talk about that and why that's important. Because music in your life is very important. I know we only sing two songs. Somebody, a couple of weeks ago, somebody said, why are we only singing two songs? One is because of the COVID thing and just make everybody comfortable. But two is to give me enough time to teach you. <laughs> so we're going with the latter, right? You know? But the thing is, is when you talk about music, which we're going to talk about, it's very important in your life. Music is the international language of the world. And by the way, there's a reason for that. Because that's how God created it. In Ezekiel 28, when he created Lucifer prior to the fall, he had a tabrets and pipe organ. He was leading the music. And he, had, he was full, the full sum of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Think about that. He was, he, there was no one that could keep a secret from him earlier in that passage, it says. He was wiser than Daniel. He had the ability to create new musical compositions and ways of glorifying and singing praise and worship to God. That's what he's talking about. It's fantastic. Look at Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now, Ephesians 5 says, speaking to yourselves, right? Now, watch what 3.16 says. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Isn't that interesting? Teaching. Communicate the doctrine. Here's the information. But admonishment, when you admonish someone, reproof and correction should come to mind. But what a, really what an admonishment is, it's a warning to someone that the way that they're going is going to end up in bad territory. Their actions, the result of their action is going to be negative. But you know what happens when you do that to someone? What do they do? Oh, thank you. Thank you for that, for that correction and reproof. Oh, thank you. No, you know what they do? How? Dare, they bow that little puny little spine that they have, and they bow their back. Rather than, wait a minute, maybe somebody, something's, somebody's got a point here. And let's look at this. So when you come back to 519, the sound doctrine, you communicate the doctrine, teach them. And then you come in and you take that doctrine and you, you admonish them, you reprove them, you correct them so that they would be right in life. They would have righteousness in life. That's why Galatians 6 over there, he says, ye which are spiritual. A brother's overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore He doesn't say anyone go do spiritual. What are we talking about in 519? Being filled with the what? With the Spirit. He isn't talking about, I know more verses than you know more verses. He's talking about, hey, if you've got your life under the control of the Spirit, and you see someone else over here getting in trouble, you're to go over and teach them the doctrine and, and admonish them and help them. That's what he's talking about. 
But you can only do that if you're speaking to who first? Yourself. I've told you folks, you ought to be preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Why? Because that's where we're headed, even here. Psalms and spiritual songs. Three categories of music here. Again, music is wonderful. It's powerful. It's designed to have a powerful impact in your life. It's really designed to have a positive one. So he says psalms. Now, come back with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to go quickly here. You have an overhead or the, you paper, the handout there. Acts 1 verse 20. For it is written in the book of psalms. Let his habitation be. Come over to Acts 13. So we in Scripture, we have a book of psalms, don't we? Acts 13 and verse number 33. The Apostle Paul talks here. i got to get there. Acts 13, 33. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised Jesus up again, as it is also written in the second psalm. Now, come over to 1 Corinthians 14. So you see this issue of psalms. So psalms are, we have a book of psalms. He's talking about Bible words. He's talking about Scripture. He's talking about references here that, uh, um, I'm looking for a verse. It's not on your overhead. He gave the gift of psalms. I thought it was in 1 Corinthians 14. Well, anyway, come back with me to 1 Samuel 16. When he talks about you and I singing psalms, he's not talking about us going through the book of psalms and singing the book of psalms, okay? Because the book of psalms belongs to who? The little flock, the believing remnant. There are five books within the books of psalms. 1 Samuel, I'll do this while you're finding 1 Samuel, okay? Go to the context, the index, and <laughs> find the page. First Samuel 16. So when he says here that we're to sing to ourselves in Psalms, Psalm six, or First Samuel 16, he's not talking about go get the book of Psalms. Now, don't get me wrong. The book of Psalms are wonderful. They're important to understanding the life of Christ and what he's going to be doing for the nation of Israel. It belongs to their heart. It's their doctrine. But, and we're going to see something here in just a minute in, in Psalms. But when he talks about Psalms, he's talking about taking a passage and singing it. Do you guys, you know uh, Handel's uh, Messiah? Do you know what passage that is? Isaiah 53, out of a King James Bible, he put it to music back in the day, the good old days. What is he doing? He took a passage and he is singing it. I think it's Isaiah 53. I think. I don't know. Anyway. What are you doing? You're singing it. You take a passage and you begin to sing it. Now you're singing to yourself. <laughs> okay? We sing out loud. That's fine. That's wonderful. But we're talking about internal here. You begin to sing. The Psalms are meant to be sung. Look at 1 Samuel 16. And just look at David. King David. Look at verse, uh, well, verse 18. Saul here, then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. You see that thing about cunning and playing? Now look down at verse 23. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp. And played with his hands. 
You see, when he says cunning and playing, he's talking, he's a musician. David was a musician. That's why three quarters of your Psalms are written by David. Why? He's a musician. He can put it, and he's cunning in it. He, you can take a song. Do you, know, you guys know what boogie-woogie music is? Okay? No? Good. Google it, okay? I don't have the time. But do you know what you can do? You can take, have you ever taken uh, Amazing Grace and sung it to the tune of Gilligan's Island? Yeah. See, what can he do? He could take something and he could sing it and make it do what needed to do. What did it do to Saul? So Saul was refreshed and was well. And the evil spirit departed from him. All three components of, of Saul was impacted. See, what did it? Music did it. David did it. Now come over to Psalms 33. The Psalms are meant to be sung. And again, we're not to take Psalms and sing it. We would take other passages. We're going to see here and sing other scriptures. Put it to music. Take whole passages of Paul's epistles and sing them. Man, how about Romans 8.18? The suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And put that to music. And you sing it. And, and that's the lyric. And that's what's consuming your heart. Psalms 33, verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right, and all of his works are done in truth. When Israel, Deuteronomy 32, Moses says, sing this song, and you know what they're singing? Not, oh, how sweet, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're singing doctrine. They're singing the passage. They're saying, that's why verse 4, for the word of the Lord, that's what they're singing. That's what a psalm is. Where you take the word, the scriptures, and you begin to sing the sound doctrine that God gave us. And you begin to sing what's going on. And again, we don't sing like Israel sings, you know, okay? That's what we're talking about. But we're talking about singing the words of God's love and His grace. We're talking about taking, his, taking scriptures and putting it into music. Taking ideas and understanding of what sound doctrine is and the putting it down into the scripture. We have a song in your hymn book. It's called, It Is Well With My Soul. Alright, you remember that song? Oh, Horatio... Spafford, he writes this song, It Is Well With My Soul. And you know when he writes it? He writes it in the midst of tremendous torment and pain and agony in his life. He had just had some traumatic events in his life. The first two were the death of his four-year-old son in the great fire of Chicago in 1871. It ruined him financially, took his son his business interests were hit hard by the economic downturn of 1873 at a time when he had planned to travel to England with his family to help with, uh, with uh, D.L. Moody's upcoming evangelistic campaigns. All of that, while crossing this, the Atlantic, he sent his family on ahead of him. He's coming later. They go across, and you know what happened? The ship sank, and he lost it all once again. He lost his daughters. 
He lost his, his wife. He lost four daughters. His wife survived. And she sent him the now famous telegram that just simply read, Saved Alone. After that, Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife. And you know what? He was inspired that was going on in him. You know what he said? It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Boy, isn't that the case? But you know what that gentleman did right in the midst of all of that? The sound doctrine that was resident in his inner man, you know what it did? It just came out in a song. By the way, you know what we call it as well with the soul? A hymn. That's what we're talking about. That's why Paul says, hey, we're going to sing psalms. We're going to sing the word of God, the sound doctrine, and we are to sing hymns. Think about that. Psalms and hymns. You have a song, we have a song in our songbook, Blessed Assurance. Okay? It's page 51 if you want it, but blessed assurance. And you get to reading it and you get to singing it. And verse number two is very bad. It's very bad. Verse number two says in it, angels descending from above, echoes of mercy. Whisper. Now, do angels descend today in the body of Christ? No. They don't. Sorry, Charlie. So what do you do with that verse? Well, you rework it. And when you rework it, you come up with a whole, uh, something that is sound doctrine. I have his spirit living within. I am in Christ and free from all sin. And you know what that does? It fits right in there and it fixes a wonderful song. Blessed assurance. Oh, man, what a great song. This is my story. This is my song. Praise my Savior all the day long. And they just kind of have to tweak. To get the, there's your psalm. That's what he's talking about. You take ones that we sing. I made a list of them here. How about, and can it be? We like that one, don't we? But do you know there's a verse in that song that says that he emptied himself of all but love? Let me ask you something. Did the Lord Jesus Christ empty himself of anything? No, he did not. That's a bad understanding of Philippians chapter 2. It's in his great song, and can it be? But there's just a little, so you have to do what with that? You've got to rewrite it, just adjust it, or don't sing it. By the way, if you don't sing it, you're missing the great components of that song. How about... Uh, 426. Dwelling in Beulah Land. We sing that song, right? But what did we do to Beulah Land? We pulled it out, didn't we? And we put what? Christ alone. Hey, we're dwelling where? In Christ alone. What did we do? We took a psalm, a hymn, and but what did we make it do? Sound doctrinally correct. When we all get to heaven... Are you going to be in the pearly gates? How about mansions? No. 
Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Great song. But where are... You see, that's what Paul's talking about when he talks about psalms. Singing God's word. Taking the, the hymns. Come over to Acts 16. Taking songs and music and getting the sound doctrine in it. Because the sound doctrine is in your heart. We, we were singing a song, I think it was last week or the week before. And he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the promised land. That's in the chorus. And we said, no, we're going to take out promised land because it isn't Israel. It isn't their promise. And we make it what? Heavenly land. Because that's our promise. So you're not talking about, I'm not talking about butchering and redoing every song in the songbook. I'm just talking about, man, when you think about what you're singing... Paul says, we're to sing to ourselves in psalms. Take that music and make sure it sound doctrinally. Don't you want to be correct doctrinally? Then why do you sing incorrect doctrine? The natural tendency to be what? Let's fix the bad doctrine. All right, Acts 16. Then he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. Look at Acts 16. Hymns are wonderful. Hymns are a song of praise. It is well with my soul. Blessed assurance. My faith has found a resting place. By the way, you've got to watch I'll Fly Away, too. You know, that one's got some hokey stuff in it. Okay. I know, great songs. I'm not talking about get rid of songs. we just got to fix the doctrine. By the way, you know who can do that the best? Musicians. But the musicians have to know what? The doctrine. Look at Acts 16 you got the Philippian jailer event here, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. 1625. And the prisoners heard them. What were they singing? Praises unto God. There's your hymn. There's, count your blessings, name them one by one. And see what God has done for you. Name them, name, count them. There's a song. Psalms are the sound doctrine. Here it is. Hymns are songs that it takes that sound doctrine then implies it to life. And then you have spiritual songs. And the spiritual song is where you take the sound doctrine and you take here's it how to apply in the circumstances of life. But that spiritual song, is you know where that all that's coming from? The inner man, inside. You see, folks, it expresses the emotion of the heart because what are you singing? The truth of God's word, rightly divided. I'll come back to Ephesians 5. You see, he's, actually, go over to Mark 14. Sorry, Mark 14. You see, folks, the issue, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making a melody where? In your heart. Mark 14. The inner peace, the inner joy, the melody in your heart, it comes from the control of the word of God in your life. You guys know the song Christ Alone? The, okay? 
You listen to the contemporary stuff. You ought to pay close attention to the words, even of Christ alone, that you're singing. A little charismatic, or not charismatic, Calvinist. A little sovereignty stuff going on there. You've got to be careful. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I sing it when I hear it. You know, I get the boogie-woogie going too. Come on. See? No, don't do that. Okay. Not, not a good image? Good. Whew. You know? If you know what kind of music I enjoyed, then you would, you would say not a good image. You see, folks, it comes from the control of the Word of God. It, it, the, man, when you have a melody in your heart, you know what you are? You're relaxed. And what he's talking about is having that relaxed mental attitude of peace. No matter what the circumstances are, it's the peace that comes from within. It doesn't come outside. I don't know about you, but you have your preset dial on your, your devices. And when you're in one mood, you like to listen to this. And when you're in another mood, you like to listen to that. And you're, it's very emotional, isn't it? Yeah. We used to pull up and put on Beethoven's Fifth and headbang. <laughs> the Beethoven's Fifth. People look at you weird, you know. What are you doing? That's kids. But you have this, you have that. Why? What, what are you trying to produce inside of you? A little peace, aren't you? little chill-out music, a little relaxed. Hey, when the Word of God is in control, guess who's chilling you out? It is. Look at Mark 14. Here we are, Mark 14. The Lord has been up in the upper room with the disciples. He's going to go out now down into the Garden of, e, of uh, Gethsemane. He's going to Calvary, verse 26 and when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And you know what's going to happen now in the garden? Judas is going to show up. Give him the kiss. Betray him. He's going to be taken. Put in front of the elders and the chief priests of Israel. Convicted an innocent man. Taken before Pilate in Rome. Convicted. Boom. Guilty. They're going to go take him out back and beat on him a while and scourge him. And rip him, rip us that, that thing over there and, and the plow, boom, with, the, with that whip in the back. And he says, I gave my back to the smiters. They plucked my beard. He's going to do all of that. And you know what he does it with? Verse 26. He does it with a song in his heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He says, Oh, for the joy that was set before him. He did what? Endured the cross. He went to the darkest moment. The darkest hour with a song on his heart of Psalms 115 to 118, the great hallelujah psalms. Come over there. Look at that. Yeah, you guys looking at me like I'm nuts. Well, this will help you. Look at Psalms 115. Yeah, think about this. Psalms 115 starts the, the great hallelujah, hallelujah psalms. This is what he's saying, verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. He goes out from that upper room, headed to the garden, come over to chapter 18. He comes, I'm Psalms 118, I'm sorry. He comes out, he goes over there, and you know what he says? Not my will, but thy will. Not my glory, but thy glory, Father. And boy, he's just humming these verses, you know. He's humming away. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Man, he's just, here we go. 
Psalms 118, he, uh, it, this ends that section. You'll notice there, verse 27, God is the Lord which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords. There he is, John 18. Even under the horns of the altar. Take him. They come and take him. You know what they do? They bind the Lord and they haul him off to the, to the cross, to the altar. They're singing the songs. Come back to Ephesians 5. He has a song in his heart, folks. That's why Paul says that you're going to sing and make a melody in your heart unto who? To the Lord. Man, have you ever sat down and just said, Father, this stinks. What, help me here. What, what do I do here? And in that verse, the Holy Spirit reaches into the intercessions of your inner man, your inner thinking, pulls out a verse that says, it is well with my soul. Whatsoever state there am, be content. Woo, hot dog, right? That's where it should be. But usually you don't. You say, hey, how do I get out of it? How about 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13? Look at that. I know I told you Ephesians. Come on, folks, you're talking about what's going on, what you're speaking to yourself. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Here's a verse you ought to have speaking to you especially in the dire straits of life, whatever may come your way. By the way, you ought to be speaking this in the happy times too. Don't always, you know, we tend to, you know, they always say they took God out of schools except on test day. Dear Lord, make me pass this test, right? Don't do it in the happy days. Do it all the time. Talk to yourself all the time about Calvary. Look at 1013. Therefore hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is what? Faithful. Man, look at that. Things aren't going your way. Come over to 2 Corinthians 4. Quickly, I'm off on a rabbit trail. I've got to get back on there. 2 Corinthians 4. You look around and you say, you know what? This is going on. Do you know that right, right now across America, people are doing the same thing you're doing just in a different way? Or going through the same thing you're going through? We have the funeral tomorrow. For, for Brother West, do you know that more, most mortuaries and funeral homes now are backed up two to three months because due to COVID and the death rate and stuff? They're going through the same thing you go through. 4.16, he says, for which cause we faint not. But though, for 2 Corinthians 4.16, but though our outward men perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Boy, what a place to be singing a song. What a place to bring it to the Father and just say, Lord, help me remember to be renewed day by day. What a song to sing for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Lord, just singing a song of let me walk by faith and not by sight. Let me let the Word of God work and dwell in me in this issue. Let me have that inner peace that comes from your Word. Boy, what a song to have. What a way to speak to yourself. Rather than, i got to get even with that guy. Well, I disagree with that, so bleh, you gurgitate all over him. No, rather a, hey, you know what? Maybe nobody's ever asked him that one question 
Has anyone ever loved you enough to say, where would you, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Wow, what a question. And then listen for the answer and then give them the gospel. That Christ died for their sins. Was buried and rose again the third day and it's by faith and faith all alone, man. Boy, what a song to sing. Because what that results now is in 520. Giving thanks. Giving thanks. Always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. Giving thanks. When I have a melody in my inner man, when I'm talking to God about, I'm talking to God intelligently. Not, dear Lord, fix the flat tire. But intelligently about what's going on in life. I'm going to struggle here. I'm struggling in this, or I'm rejoicing in this. And then what what's, that's going to produce now is this heart of thanksgiving. Giving thanks. Always. Now watch the next two words. Next three words. For all things. Now 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, In everything give thanks. So in the moment, in the trouble... In the good times, in the, the bad times, what am I to do? Give thanks. You know what this says? For that whole situation, give thanks. Isn't that fantastic? Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity in the moment to allow the sound doctrine to work out in my life. To allow me to understand and to take the doctrine, Romans 8, 18... For the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in me. Man, take that doctrine and have it work out in my life in the moment. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. Usually what do we say? What did I do, God? What are you doing to me? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve just one? Right? So you went right off into a song. Poorly, but you did. You see, folks... I get a chance to do what? In everything, for everything, sorry, give thanks. You see, we're being told here, because we have that inner harmony, we have that melody in our heart, we have the sound doctrine working in our inner man, that we have, the, we have a thankful attitude and opportunity to put the sound doctrine on display. Now that's a different perspective than what you hear out there amongst people because that perspective comes from an understanding a walk of faith of where we're at today in the age of grace we're not back in Israel's program the temptation comes it's what common to man that verse we just read it he's not down there getting you because you're something special sorry bust your bubble but rather here's life What's life? We just read it. 2 Corinthians 4. The outward man's going to do what? Perish. If the Lord tarries, you know what you're going to do? You're going to get old and you're going to die. Happy, happy, happy. Yay, yay, yay. That's the facts of life. It's appointed unto man once to die, then to judgment. You're going to die. But the inner man is to be what? Renewed day by day. Because when you do die, who goes to be? The inner man does. You do. And you're to rejoice in that. 
How are you supposed to look at the circumstances of life? Please don't complain. If you complain, you're making an, you're, you are making a mockery out of the grace and the love of God Almighty to you. Because he didn't tell you to complain. What did he say? Give thanks. Have a walk of faith. Not complaining. Thanking God for the opportunity that now I can do what? I can rejoice. Dad said at one time, growing old graciously. And you think about that. And that's what it is. Now the end of the verse, in verse 20, quickly here. And the Father, uh, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. And that's how we end our prayers, right? In the name. And that's not what he's talking about. Come over to chapter 2, verse 18. Here's what he's talking about. He's not talking about the way you end your prayer. Rather, what he's talking about is 2.18. For through him, Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. He's talking about we come in the name of the one who the Father has given me everything in. We come to the one that I can go in now into the presence of the Godhead with boldness and confidence. I have access. And in 520 when he says this issue there about the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit is literally taking you by the hand. And based on the blood and the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the identity he gives you in him, he takes you into the presence of the Father and the presence of the grace that he's bestowed upon you. And he says, access the library. Access my word. Access it. All the things that I've given you in Christ. In the circumstances of life, we have that opportunity to have the life of Christ be manifested out in us. And you know what we're to say to that? Doggone it, what did I do now? No, we're to say thank you. And have the proper attitude. Folks, I hope you understand what a privilege we have to have the Spirit work in our lives in reality. Not often some la-la land, but in reality. And when we're talking to ourselves, we're talking about God's Word and what it's to be doing in our life. And we're going to talk about to, to the Father about things going on in life. I hope you do that. Have a prayer life where you talk to God and you say, Hey, Lord, this is what's going on. Hey, Father, this is what's going on. How do I take that verse and apply it to it? How does this verse work? Using what he says, study. Why? Because that's what we're to do. Usually he'll come along and say, okay, sit down, get out of the way, let me lead you, and I'll show you. Again, that voice in your head isn't him. That's the verses. The voice in your head is you. <laughs> you see, folks, our life is to be lived under the control of God's word. Our inner man, our inner thinking is, is in a harmony with that. 
And when the circumstances of life come up, we can then draw from that joy and that peace. And we can then go through the situation. And then in verse 21, you have submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And you know what? That is the most hated verse in all of Ephesians is that verse right there. Because it gives an idea of being a follower and allowing others to influence you. And you know what? The majority of us don't like that. So we bulk again. One verse, if you will, Isaiah 66. Something for you to think about, the fear of God. Isaiah 66. Just something to think about when you think about that fear of God. There's no fear of God anymore, by the way, in our culture. It, it left in the late 50s, actually, if you look, go back and study culture, our society. You know how you know that? Look at Isaiah 66, verse 2. I'm, For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is of poor and contrite spirit, and what? Trembleth at my word. There's the fear of God. When you have the word of God controlling your life, you know what you will have? You will have the fear of God. Now we understand the ends. We got all that. It's not what he's talking about in Ephesians 5. You're going to have this inner harmony, self-talk. You're going to have a song in your step, a melody. You're going to have a thankful attitude, and then you're going to now go work in a submissive environment because what do you do? You tremble at his word. You know what his word says you ought to be doing. So you go do that. Now we'll look at verse 21 next week, okay? But just see what's happening here. So we're going to stand and sing a song. All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the instructions here of what it is to look like to have the spirit leading and living in our lives and filling our lives with your word. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we will stay.